0: Hello and welcome to the Influence Change at Work show. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, founder and change facilitator at Enclaria, where you can accelerate your influence and overcome obstacles to change so you can make a bigger impact in your workplace. Today, my guest is Carolyn Keeley, who is here to talk about organizational communication in a time of disruption. As principal and founder of Results Map, Carolyn helps organizations chart a course toward new levels of performance and impact in communications. Her clients include the House of Commons, Universities Canada, Bayer, the Government of Northwest Territories, and the United Nations. She is driven by her unrelenting passion to set communication teams up for success by creating innovative tools, practical knowledge products, and game-changing workshops. Carolyn is a pioneer in working at the intersection between strategic communications and change, serving as Director and Lead Instructor of the Professional Development Institute's Strategic Communications and Change Program at the University of Ottawa. Carolyn, welcome back to the show. This is the second time you've been here. That's right. Thanks, Heather. Really pleased to be back. So I'd like to talk about communication in a time of disruption, but I think it probably makes sense to start with what are just some of the basics of communication during normal times, if that even still exists anymore.
1: (laughs) Right. Good point. We've sort of lost uh, track of what normal looked like. Well, I think communication is really foundational to organizational performance. And we often say that communication is like oxygen. You don't see it when it's there, but you sure feel it when it's not. So generally, our whole approach is to try to encourage practitioners, whether they're communicators, change management professionals or leaders, to be really intentional about their approach to communication. I think sometimes people, especially when they're overwhelmed with deadlines or profound disruption like we're experiencing now, we find that they tend to sort of shoot first and aim later. And that ends up causing a lot of disconnects and misalignment. So I think there's really a strong business case for slowing down in order to speed up, being really clear about After all, why is it that we're communicating and what is it that we're trying to achieve as a business goal?
0: So let's talk about disruption then. And I guess maybe it makes sense to even talk about what are some different types of disruption or examples of disruptions.
1: Yeah. So this whole field of change communication is relatively new. I look at it sort of, if you think of a, if you imagine a Venn diagram that you have, the body of knowledge and expertise of strategic communications, that's one sphere Change management is another sphere and the point of intersection between the two is what we call change communication. And before this era of uh, COVID, the kinds of things that, uh, that we would see come up in our um, training programs or among our consulting clients that would call us uh, to intervene from a change communication perspective would be things like new technologies Uh, reorganization, strategic alignment or uh, shifts in terms of an organization's uh, focus or business plan, mergers and acquisitions, those kinds of things where there is a distinction between what we would call business as usual communication, the sort of regular uh, day-to-day operational communication and the much more demanding exercise of trying to help people make sense of something new, often something that has not yet been defined. And so that's what I find particularly exciting about the field of change communication is that it is particularly uh, creative and co-creative in that often clients are more clear on what they no longer want to be and tend to be less clear as to what the destination is. And so it's an invitation to get people to participate in shaping and defining that future state. And the communication exercise is really much more about creating shared meaning in that creative fashion, as opposed to what we often think of as a more old school information dissemination approach to organizational
0: communication. The question that just popped into my head then is, Are there times when communication itself is disrupted?
1: Absolutely. And and that's something that I find uh, really interesting because we do a lot of work with communication teams and they tend to experience a double whammy because they are experiencing the change themselves. And then they're also called upon to communicate to their uh, audiences. And so there is something particularly demanding about that dual impact And actually, this environment of COVID is a great example that we see that there's really never been a time when uh, the task of being an organizational communicator is more critical, more high profile and high stakes. And at the same time, communications practitioners, like everybody else, are dealing with the uh, disruption and the chaos caused by having to very quickly shift to things like working from home, figuring out new technology uh, being concerned about uh, elderly parents or childcare, those kinds of things. So that's why I think it's really important to make sure that communicators are flying with a net, so to speak, that they've got some infrastructure and some tools and techniques behind them, which typically is tends to be lacking culturally among communicators. We, we tend to be driven by sort of adrenaline and a very quick and reactive stance. And our whole approach in the results map is to have a more planned, deliberate approach that is backed up by tools, templates and worksheets so that the communications community and communications teams feel really well supported.
0: Now, would you say, are there any advantages to disruption when it comes to communication? That's such a good question, Heather. I think there are a
1: couple of advantages. The one, the obvious one, is that we're definitely dealing in a context of the attention economy. And it's often said that nowadays it's harder to get somebody's attention than it is to get their money from a sales perspective. And so in a time of disruption, we've certainly got people's attention. For example, if employees are wondering uh, what's going to happen to my job where uh, Where is it that we're going to be working? Who do I report to? Do I even still have a job? Uh, certainly that attention and that, that link to the organizational relevance is probably higher than it's ever been. The other advantage, and this is one that I'm hearing a lot from some of the communicators that we work with, is that this has really been a time for communicators to shine. Sometimes leaders have had a tendency to brush communication aside sort of treat it as a nice to have function and figure that they can do this on their own. And after all, everybody can communicate. So why do I need a professional by my side? At this point, I've had many, many uh, anecdotal uh, examples come up where communicators have had access to the senior leadership table in a way that they never have before. Because frankly, leaders are dealing with a set of challenges that they've never faced before. And they recognize that having that ally and a more deliberate, professional, and sustained approach to communication is absolutely mission critical for organizational success or even organizational survival.
0: Yeah, it seems like there would be an awful lot to communicate now more than ever. Absolutely. So I would think leaders need some help with that. They're also probably used to communicating in a certain way that is now having to change because they don't have their usual go to someone's office and talk to them or, you know, however they did it before.
1: Absolutely, that's right. And and what I find is that many leaders have sort of defaulted to um, thinking that a mass email or an intranet is going to solve their communication problems. And it's pretty clear that in the context of change, your intranet is not going to save you. That's, that's not the right communication tactic in dealing in a time of change and certainly not in a time of crisis like we find ourselves in. So it really is a time where leaders have to dig deep and be much more vulnerable, much more open to a conversational approach to communication than the sort of one-way command and control approach that they may have adopted, for example, in town hall meetings. And so I am observing among many clients that their leaders started off saying, okay, well, I can do this because I used to do an all-staff meeting, so now I'll do an all-staff Zoom. And then they're just talking to their staff and pretty quickly finding that messages are just not sticking and that, in fact, this can be quite alienating. Where organizations, I, I find, are doing better is, first of all, in having leaders embrace the vulnerability of the moment, that they don't have all the answers and that they're struggling like everyone else. Uh, And also inviting that conversation and that exchange, because after all, that's what communication is, right? It's defined as the exchange of information, ideas and emotions. And so this time is really an opportunity to explore different ways of communicating in a way that is probably much more vulnerable and much more conversational in style than many leaders have been accustomed to.
0: Something else I noticed when it comes to Zoom mm-hmm. or or any other online platform, right? Um, it's really hard to gauge, you know, when you're in a room with people, it's, you can kind of get the sense of the room and how people are feeling just from the right. chatter, just from the general feeling of it. And you don't really get that with Zoom. So one of the things I've done recently in a workshop is mm-hmm. just opened the workshop with a, a poll that had emojis in it of different emotions, right. and just saying, hey, how are you doing today? Yeah. You know? And so that helped get a sense of, okay, well, you know, half the group is really frustrated. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yes. That's such a great point, because this whole idea of reading the room
1: becomes much more difficult on Zoom. Uh, there's also increasing uh, evidence I was reading out of the BBC, an interesting article that Uh, Being on Zoom calls all day is also very draining because uh, in terms of neuroscience that the brain is having to work harder to fill in gaps in communication that we normally would pick up on contextually in things like body language and tone and so on that are harder to pick up uh, through Zoom. The other thing that that I, I find interesting is that when you look at large staff gatherings, Very often, there is an implicit ordering that happens. If you think, for example, about how people will sit in a big conference room, very often you'll find that teams will sit together or people at different hierarchical levels will sit together. So you'll find the senior leaders, for example, are sitting all in the front row, that sort of thing. Now there's something delightfully disorienting about Zoom in that everybody's on the same level. It doesn't look like an org chart when you see a whole bunch of tables or little tiles, rather, of uh, staff that are engaging on Zoom. So I think there's something interesting there in terms of democratization
0: of information and access. Interesting. So let's get back to just disruption in general. And so I'm wondering, what are some of the things that communicators can do to adapt to disruption?
1: Great question. Well, I think the first thing is to get comfortable with the uncomfortable uh, of this i think a lot of times communication practitioners and leaders like to be in control and have all the information buttoned down before they communicate and that's just no longer possible so we have to just lean into the idea that we're going to communicate as much as we can as soon as we can and cope with that uncertainty What we find really does not work is a more parochial traditional approach where communicators or the leaders that they're working with want to make sure that all the different bits and pieces of information are fully buttoned down before they will go out and communicate. And of course, that leads to trouble because days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, and as organizations go dark, then disengagement and rumors become really rampant. So, I think some, some basic guidelines to, to fall back on. First, as I mentioned, is to communicate as much as you can, as soon as you can, and, and to keep that idea that communication should really be the drumbeat of change. So I really encourage uh, leaders and communicators to identify a sustainable rhythm of communication, and ensure predictability and consistency of communication, even if the content is not yet clear. There's something very reassuring about knowing that there will be this regular touch point. Now that comes with the caveat that if people agree to a rhythm that then becomes no longer sustainable and that leaders or communicators drift away, then that can do more harm than good. So if you say that you're gonna do, let's say an all staff update every Friday, then you gotta to keep to that schedule because if you start skipping it or other things come up and are perceived as more important than engaging with staff, then that can actually cause a lot of pushback. The other thing I think that's really important is to think about creating many on ramps for communication. So some people are very comfortable with Zoom and really enjoy that face-to-face experience. Others may feel more comfortable in reading information, so having uh, information available, for example, in digital uh, forms like an intranet or email, can be helpful. Uh, and the most foundational and and really essential part of a tactical mix when we're when we're thinking about change communication planning is really the, the creative exercise of facilitating line of sight and cascading communication through leaders and middle managers. And that is really often forgotten. And so when we're thinking about change communications tactics, sure, Zoom all staff meetings are great. Um, the intranet, email updates, mobile approaches can be very helpful, but nothing can replace the line of sight and that creative exercise of translating big picture corporate information to what it means to the individual employee. That happens best and there's lots of research that shows that one's immediate manager is best suited to provide that context and sort of translate big corporate direction into something that's meaningful to the employee. So that's really powerful. The problem is that many managers as you well know from your work, Heather, mm-hmm. you got promoted into management roles because of functional expertise, as opposed to any particular uh, strength or inclination to communicate. And a whole bunch of managers don't see staff communication as part of their role. So this, approach to creating shared meaning and really focusing on a line of sight through what we call the magic in the middle, that is to say the middle managers and the supervisors and and the, um, the leadership community, really only works if communicators help equip and empower them in that role. So, for example, creating modules or meeting in a box or tools that will help facilitate that communication. And also what's really vital is a sponsorship message that this is an expectation of what it is to be a leader around here. In our organization, leaders have an accountability and a responsibility to communicate with staff and to see that as a really priority, central part of their role.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about the current disruption that we're in and the work, people working from home. What have you seen as some of the changes in how communication is being done? And what have you advised your own clients in how they can cope with the current disruption?
1: Yes, that's a great uh, question. So we are seeing lots of interesting uh, different things happening and, and some that are very uh, positive, I think, and, and I hope that will continue even uh, past this quarantine challenge that we're all facing. Uh, One, for example, trend that I'm seeing that I think is really positive is embracing informal and social communication uh, as as an important part of the mix. So, you know, a little bit of levity and human connection is really helpful in this time. And since we're no longer bumping into people in the office as we might have done in those sort of serendipitous uh, exchanges, Things like, for example, managers who are having walking meetings with their staff. So they'll say, "Okay, at two o'clock, let's get on the phone and everybody will go for a walk and we'll be able to connect that way Uh, or doing uh, game nights or game evenings. With staff, so that we're going to play some kind of uh, trivia game or um, baby picture identifying those kinds of things that are just designed to add a little bit of levity. I've seen organizations do uh, Zoom calls where people are introducing their pets or their children at home so that they're trying to build that sense of community, which I think is really important because there's something quite isolating and anxiety provoking about this period of course and we know that humans are hardwired for connection and community and that's really important to the sense of uh, meaning and an alignment to the workforce. What I'm finding particularly challenging among the clients that we work with is that we're seeing that some employees are totally run off their feet uh, because the, the demands on communicating have become so extraordinary and the context is changing all the time. So they're having to work over time. And then others have been told, you were working on a good project, but right now we can't move on that front because it's not mission critical. And so maintaining that sense of purpose and belonging in the organization becomes really difficult because people, I think, generally want to contribute. They want to have a sense of mastery and contribution in the workplace. In the workplace. And in the absence of that, um, that can really lead to a sense of uh, disconnection and even tension between employees that are working at, at uh, 100 miles an hour and others who are told to pause on their. Initiatives. This comes up a lot in communication because there are lots of great things we could communicate about right now, uh, like, for example, an organization's commitment to sustainable development or new innovation or a new uh, technology rollout. But the timing isn't appropriate. And so there's there's something quite discouraging about that when when people feel that the good work that they were uh, engaged in has been put on pause which is why it's really important to double down on these techniques to build that sense of collective, of community that we're in this together and that we have a shared sense of purpose, even if the particular projects you were working on have changed.
0: So another question I had is, uh, because earlier you mentioned that you should communicate as early as possible. Right. And so what advice do you give to people who feel like either they're not clear about things, and so they don't really know what they can communicate or they feel yeah. like there's something that they can't tell people.
1: Good point. So that does come up quite often in change communications. And, and there's a few rules of thumb that I that I always go back to there. The first thing is if I can't give you content, I can give you context. So for example, many, many people uh, in my community here in Ottawa, work for the federal government and are wondering, uh, when are they returning to the office? Uh, Are office renovations plans still underway because it was a massive move afoot to create more hoteling and this more modern workplace idea of shared spaces, which may no longer be workable in this context. And so that creates a huge appetite for communication, but leaders are short on answers at this point because I imagine things have not yet been decided. So if you fall back on that rule of thumb, if I can't can't give you content, I can at least give you context, then we can provide sort of a frame around communication. So that might look like, for example, sharing what kind of principles are going to be used. Guiding principles can be really helpful. Uh, It can be explaining what um, policies or what Strategic intent is going to guide decision-making. We can also indicate that we will commit to communicating at a certain frequency and that as soon as information is available, that it will be shared. So those kinds of things are helpful because whatever leaders do, the worst thing to do is to go turtle and stop communicating. So again, we have to communicate as much as we can, as soon as we can, even if it's just to explain the context or the principles that will be used um, for decision-making. The other guideline that we often fall back on is if leaders feel that there's an appetite for information, but they're not too sure what they can communicate, or perhaps some things are confidential and cannot yet be released, then a good uh, process to go through is to identify in a very simple framework, what is it that I would want my employees to think, feel, and do So that think, feel, do framework is highly, highly transferable. Whether you were doing a staff briefing on shifting to a new SAP platform, or if you're talking about uh, reorganization that is resulting from COVID, um, it's a good way to plan out your communication. And what I think is really important in that model is that it emphasizes the emotive content in a time of anxiety. Many times leaders fall back on just the informational content and they forget that humans are primarily emotional creatures and we have to sort of open the door to listening and connecting emotionally before people will be able to receive any kind of information. So to think about what is it that I'm trying to impart as a feeling? Is it that I want my staff to feel reassured that they feel supported, that I am reducing their anxiety, that they feel inspired by a new initiative that we're working on. That's a really important uh, guide in terms of planning communication.
0: Great. And another thing that I always think of when, you know, people feel like they can't communicate something, the tendency Mm -hmm. is that they want to say, well, I don't know, even though maybe they do know. Right you know, like, like, okay, don't lie to people because when Absolutely. the truth comes out, then they're going to know that you lied to them. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah.
1: Well, that's such a great point because, uh, I think it's Jennifer Fram who had coined the expression that, uh, trust is really the currency of change. Yes. And so if people know that the leader has just spent a week in high level meetings, surely the leader knows what's going on, but she may not be choosing to share it at the moment. So. We have to make sure that we're quite attentive to not letting trust erode because then it's game over. If people no longer trust their leaders, then we're going to be in a deficit situation. Now you're digging yourself into a hole. You've got to now dig yourself out before even being at the ground level before you're building any new kind of alignment or clarity. And so, this is something that that we often like to remind leaders, in particular, that not communicating is, in fact, communicating something. And silence uh, often speaks uh, volumes. And so, we want to be mindful about the unintended message that may be sent by going dark or avoiding communication, and certainly things that just defy logic or common sense, like, for example, somebody saying, I don't know when they just spent a week in briefings about the thing that they know <laughs> darn well about, but they're just not sharing yet, is going to get people into trouble.
0: Yes. Okay. So is there anything else that people should know about communicating during disruption?
1: Yeah, the, the other thing I, I would just point to is the importance of stories. Uh, and again, if we just try to simplify here in this, really unprecedented period of disruption and chaos we find ourselves in, we've got to go back to fundamentals. What is it that helps humans make sense of the world around them? And we know that even from a tribal perspective, humans have um, for millennia made sense of the world around them through stories, through examples, through anecdotes. And so we really encourage communicators, change leaders and executives to think about examples of stories that really bring their content to life. Try to move beyond the kind of corporate speak that tends to sound quite vacuous and see if you can isolate an actual story. So it could be, for example, uh, one customer interaction or feedback that was received by a client or if you're working in a healthcare situation, a particularly uh, salient example of a patient uh, story um, of an experience in in your healthcare facility, that kind of thing really sticks and is much more memorable and helps people understand the context and again that sense of meaning and purpose around them. So, so I really encourage leaders. Um, when they're they're crafting their communications or preparing for an all-staff meeting to think about very simply, first of all, what is the intent of my communication? Next, what is it I want people to think, feel, and do? And then third would be, what's an example of a story that I can share that will help illustrate and paint a picture for people that's really going to connect the message to the individual?
0: So, can you share with the audience a little bit about Results Map and where they can learn more about it?
1: Sure. So, my company is Results Map. Our website is at resultsmap.com. And um, the Results Map is the most comprehensive applied methodology in communications that exists in the world. And our focus is really on enabling and equipping communicators to communicate with measurable results. And so we have a new product called the Results Map System, which is a digital hub that provides knowledge products, tools, templates, as well as on-demand
0: learning. And definitely if you're looking at communicating, check that out. So that's resultsmap.com, right? Exactly. Great. Well, Carolyn, thanks so much for being here. It's been great talking with you.
1: Thanks so much, Heather, for the invitation. I wish you all the
0: best and keep well. Great, thank you, you too. And thank you for listening to the Influence Change at Work show. If you'd like to find more resources to help you influence change in your organization, including individual coaching, team workshops, and upcoming training events, please visit inclaria.com. While you're there, be sure to click in the box in the upper right-hand corner to access a free course about applying five drivers to influence change at work. Until next time, best wishes for making a bigger impact.